Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So glad to be here with you today. The music in the background for the next couple of weeks, at least, is our buddy, Mr. John McLaughlin. You should grab a copy of his album, Angst and Grace, if you haven't done that yet. We will be switching up the music in just a couple of weeks, you guys, because we're having a special summer here on the podcast, an Enneagram summer. We're going to take the whole month of June and talk to you about the Enneagram. And so we're going to have some special Enneagram music to go with that. But today we are celebrating Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you women out there who are mothering your own children, mothering children that you adopted or birthed or foster or care for. And happy Mother's Day to you women out there that are mothering classrooms and churches and friends' kids and mothering in all the ways that you can. And happy Mother's Day to you grandmothers too. I love you guys. So I thought it would be really fun to get a special mom on the show today. Our good buddy, Mr. Tim Tebow's mom, Pam, is an author with her new book called Ripple Effects. You guys are going to love this. And dudes, listen, if you order it today from Amazon, it could arrive on time for Mother's Day. So hop on there, go to your local bookstore and get a copy of Ripple Effects by Pam Tebow. I just thought, what a great mom to come on the show and talk to us about like, how do we actually impact the next generation? She's raised some really great kids. One that we know personally here, that sounds fun, but she's raised some great kids that are doing some great work. And I just wanted her to talk to us about how to do that, whether it's a child you raise yourself or whether you're making ripple effects as a man or a woman in the lives around you. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So here is one of our favorite mamas, Tim's mom, author of Ripple Effects, Pam Tebow. Okay, so you are our special Mother's Day episode, Pam. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to get to talk to you on a lot of levels, but your book, Ripple Effects, I think is so important. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not married and I'm not a mom. Okay, that's all right. You can still have Ripple Effects. That's that's what I would love to talk about. For starters, tell me what made you realize that this kind of idea that you were making Ripple Effects in the lives of other people, how'd you even notice that? Well, I think that I've always had that on my mind. It's been my life message. I've spoken on influence for many years, but it started out, I think, when my kids were young and I tried to teach them principles of life and from the word. And I realized that I was having great influence as I taught them. And then I have a great illustration about Timmy that I love to share. And I had the opportunity was in, when he was in high school, he was at a store with me and it was near the high school where he played football and we were shopping and he's very frugal and like me and nutritious conscious, but he saw this box of cereal that wasn't especially nutritious and he stuck it in the grocery cart and we rounded the aisle and there was a little kindergartner who saw him, recognized him And then the next day, he went to his show and tell at his kindergarten and held up a box of Cocoa Krispies and said, this is the cereal Tim Tebow eats for (laughs) breakfast. And so we had all these parents calling us and saying, oh, thanks a lot. We have to buy Cocoa Krispies. But it gave me an opportunity to teach Timmy about his responsibility in life that he needs to pay attention to how he's living and live intentionally because people are watching him and they're going to want to copy him. And so I think it's really important that we 
share that with other people. What they do makes a difference. How they act, what they say, it has ripple effects on the people that they connect with on a daily basis, whether our spheres are small or big. And we all have them. If our life connects in any way to another person, we have influence on that person and all the people that person connects with. And so I wanted my kids to understand that. And I realized that in teaching them those principles, then they went out in their own spheres and took that seriously and began to impact people around them. So you see the ripple effects, you know, in those lives. And I really wanted to have that ripple effect as a mom, but even more than that, I mean, my kids are grown, but I think about that every day and I feel like it gives us purpose when we think about waking up each morning, that we have a God-given purpose, that God allows us to impact the world around us, whether it's just this little community or big office or government position or in a classroom, wherever we are, we can impact the people by loving them like God loves us. And that's just something the world needs to see, speaking life into them with our encouraging words or any number of things. You know, we all have ripple effects and then they go forth and they're encouraged or, you know, whatever the ripple is, I've seen that it has an impact. And I really want to encourage women. We all need purpose. You know, I think purpose wakes us up in the morning excited about living our life, no matter what season we're in, wherever we're planted in life. So before you were a mom, maybe even before you were married and when you were a newlywed, how did you sort out your purpose then? And how did you know this ripple effects thing was important back then? Were you already thinking in that direction? I was. And I'll tell you, it started early on. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, which may encourage a lot of your listeners I wasn't ever encouraged spiritually in any way. We didn't go to church. I didn't have Bible stories read to me. And so I really didn't understand anything about uh, spiritual influence. But then I went to college and, you know, that's a story I tell in the book. But the beginning of my sophomore year, I realized that I walked to church all by myself when I was 12 and I I came to know the Lord that day, which is just a miracle story. But then I didn't grow. My parents wouldn't let me go back. So when I went to college, I went to the University of Florida. I was 17 years old. It was a little bit overwhelming. And I wanted to influence people. But I thought the way to do that was to have an impressive resume and to add as many activities as I could. And then I realized that year that it was empty and there was that hole. And I didn't know how to change myself. And so I remember the beginning of my sophomore year, I got down on my knees and I prayed that God would help me change myself. I mean, I didn't really even know how to pray. I knew one verse in the Bible. And so I I got up from my knees and two girls knocked on the door and they invited me to a Bible study that um, actually my husband, to make that story even better, my husband came to the University of Florida the year before me and he started a group called Campus Crusade, which is now called Crew. And as a result, all the people coming to know the Lord, they started that Bible study that I went to. And I was discipled. And I was so excited from the first time I went, I learned all this amazing truth. And I was so excited about it that I went back to my little sorority house. And you can tell I'm a Southern girl, you know, where I lived. And I taught the girls that lived around me what I just learned. And then every week that would happen. And I realized... How were you confident enough to teach it, even though it was so brand new for you? Oh, I have no idea. You know, that was a while ago. I think it was just my excitement because it was so new. It was revolutionary Uh to me. And so when I taught that 
those truths to them, they got excited too. And it just happened week after week. And I realized that for the first time, my life counted. I had real purpose because I was having positive influence. And I think early on, I must have been 18 years old. I think I realized the importance of influence. I mean, I had a lot to learn, still do. You know, we never arrive, but I I caught it. I caught that. And so I wanted to continue doing that. And, uh, you know, we just, we have different opportunities and seasons of life to have an impact, but we all have it. And in every season of life, my mother at 70 didn't ever feel like she had purpose because she she was a wonderful person, but her family had never encouraged her. They would put her down instead of build her up. So she didn't have a very healthy self-image. And my daughters encouraged her as we were giving her a 70th birthday party. They said, Grandma, you can have purpose. You can have influence. And they figured out what she could do. She was involved in the garden club and the women's club. And so she started in her own little quiet way. She loved to send cards. And so she would put verses or she'd sit, let people know she was praying for them if they lost a loved one. So pretty soon that evolved into a bigger ministry and a bigger one. And so in her secular clubs, they set aside time to share prayer results, results of the prayer chain she started in her little club newsletter. And it just grew and grew. She became the chaplain and she wasn't, you know, very outspoken and she was quiet But God gave her influence and she lived for 16 years more and she had purpose every day of those 16 years. Isn't that a neat story? That's amazing. Yes. That's right. And we need to remind them that everyone has that opportunity. Every single person, you know, has an opportunity to have an impact on other people. You know, you smile when you pass someone, you, you say a kind word, you know, even if you don't know them, you're you're having a ripple effect, you know, then they'll go and be kind to someone else, hopefully, or smile at someone else. And it's a hard world. People need to be, you know, acknowledged. They need to be um, loved on. I think we have the potential to do that, all of us. So it's fun to have that as a purpose because we can always- Yeah, you're never too old or too young. That's right. That's right. And in every season, every opportunity, no matter what we're doing. So- I love the message. And really, I didn't feel like I came up with it. I feel like it's, you know, it's there for all of us to find. I love that. Okay, tell me, because I'm thinking about some of our friends who are listening that are moms that maybe are hearing God call them to something specific. Because I think about you guys moving to the Philippines. How many kids did you have when y'all moved over there? I had four, and the youngest was a baby. And uh, so it was a challenging time, yes. Yeah, tell me a little bit about how y'all decided to follow God and and why you knew that was right, even though it meant taking your kids out of what they knew? Well, it was very obvious to us. My husband has always been an evangelist. That's all he's ever wanted to do. He was a pastor, but he loved sharing the gospel. And he took a mission trip to the Philippines, and people were so responsive. And we just, to this day, I mean, everyone knows we love the Filipinos. You know, we just have a special relationship with them. And Timmy has a hospital there. We have orphanages. We have all kinds of yeah. things. But we didn't at the time. And God clearly called my husband. He was, you know, in an, he calls it a loud, inaudible voice when he was driving to another state to speak. But he was so gracious because at that very same time, we later compared notes. I was at home in bed with my kid, you know, my kid, all my kids were asleep. And I knew that God was prompting us that we needed to go to the Philippines. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. Really? And 
I had seen my husband's passion and his love for the, the people and their sweet responsiveness when he came back. But God clearly made it known to me that we would have to go. And of course, my husband said yes immediately. But I I said, but Lord, I have I have four kids. What will we do with our home? How will we raise funds? And so, you know, all of the above. But eventually I gave in. I'd been memorizing this verse. Oh, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And by your outstretched arms, nothing is too difficult for you. So I thought, well, you know, God made the world. He created the world. He could take care of our family. So I counted on that. I counted on it with all my heart because we didn't have a lot of support as far as people encouraging us. Our families weren't excited. You know, our friends were very nervous because it was a political chaos nightmare in the Philippines at that time. But God knew, right? you know, that we needed to be there. And we knew that God was able to take care of us. And he was, you know, we have lots of adventures. I wouldn't have so many great stories if, you know, we hadn't had those adventures. Right. <laughs> you know, I think there's got to be um, women who are right now struggling with the idea of like, oh, our family's moving across the country or we're changing jobs and I don't know how it's going to affect my kids. You know, I think that when God leads us to do something, he's got our kids in mind. You know, he really had such an impact on our kids. I mean, some of them hardly remember it. But my daughter, Christy, who's now a missionary with her family, her husband and two kids on a very hard field, much harder than the one that we had in the Philippines. And I remember so clearly she was watching everything we did and how we trusted the Lord and the incredible things that God did in our midst. I mean, I think when you're in a situation like that, God writes the most amazing stories. And she watched that. And when God called our daughter, Christy, and her husband to the mission field, she said, Mom, Joey and I cannot wait to trust God for our mission experiences like you and Daddy did. Oh, wow. And that just spoke volumes to me because she watched us trusting God. And she saw that God never did let go of us. He always cared for us. I mean, we had some incredible challenges. You know, I mean, I, I had some illness. We, we had a, a challenging uh, birth um, for our youngest son and so much more. I mean, we saw God do things we could have never imagined. And so you see the hand of God and she watched all of it and it impacted her. So that that is such an amazing ripple effect because she's she's in this hard place and she is ministering to women that are devalued and they're abused, they're trafficked. And she has such a heart for them, for the least of these, for women that others just, you know, walk by and think are as a trash, but God doesn't. So, you know, God just taking it to a new level for her. Yeah. So you never know what um, God will do as your children watch you. So that's a message to mom. You know, moms, that's the best way that we that we impact our kids to love God, to love His Word, to trust God, to trust what He says in His Word. They watch us trusting him and they see it lived out. And it's not easy. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for me. You know, you just have to sometimes grit your teeth and say, okay, I believe, I believe. And, you know, your faith will never return void. God is so able. He's so able to take care of us, our situation. So I think that's the best way that we impact our kids, whether we live on a mission field or whether we're, you know, in a nice, comfortable environment. In America, it doesn't matter. We all have challenges. We go through so many things. Life is hard. Our world is hard. Right. And our kids want to see, how do we handle it? Is God enough? 
they watch us to see if he is. Yeah, that really was one of the things I was wondering is when things got really hard in the transition, when things got really hard while you were out of your comfort zone or any day, I'm just watching my friend's parent and watching how often they invite their kids into the really hard stuff and how often they try to protect them from the really hard stuff. How do you find that balance of like, my kids need to see me struggle with this or my kids need to see my husband and I disagree and make up? How do you learn to draw that line of what they do see and what you protect them from or hide from them? I'm not sure if I have the right answer to that. I think we have deep wisdom and discernment for all of these situations. That's a real challenge. I have found myself just on my knees crying out to God for wisdom about certain situations. And what do we do with our children in this situation? How much do we let them know? How do we bring them into it? Some situations we do, others we handle ourselves and try to you know, be quiet. But they do need to see that we have challenges in life. And when we have challenges, we need a big God and God is big enough. But yeah, that's hard. That's so hard. You know, you know, you don't want to expose them to too much too soon. You have to wait for some of the things until they're ready. We didn't believe in exposing our kids to some of the junk that's out there. You know, we were we were blessed to live in the Philippines when you didn't have a lot of the media. Now it's so hard for parents. And I just, you know, know that my children are parents and all of them but our youngest one. And they struggle with that. How much do they let their kids in on because they're being exposed to it at school or in the neighborhood? They're exposed to so much more than we ever were. And they have a real battle on their hands. They just, they cry out to the Lord for wisdom and they try to talk it through with their kids and explain some of the things, maybe not in great detail, but enough to give them some kind of a a frame of reference. Even as a grandparent, when you're looking at how you're still discipling your children and discipling your grandchildren, how do you see yourself fitting into that when when they're trying to sort out these new technology and exposure to more things than has ever been before? Well, I trust my kids and I pray for them. I pray for every one of them every day and I pray for their children because it really is their responsibility to handle it. And I never want to interfere. I just want to be support. You know, it's a different season in life. So before I was more in charge, but now I'm their support system. I'm their biggest cheerleaders. You know, I cheer them on. But one of the best things I can do is to encourage them, to let them know that I believe in them, that I know they've got it and they can handle it no matter what they're going through. Because as we know, people go through a lot these days and and uh, I just want to be there for them. But I don't, if they ask me for advice, then my husband and I will give them counsel. And our kids are great about that. They've, they've always come to us. They still do but we don't interfere, you know, as far as trying to push our way in, because that's not our role anymore. And I pray for wisdom and I pray for wisdom for my kids for discernment, because it's hard to navigate all the challenges that we face now. Tell me how you've seen the power of prayer affect your family. Oh my goodness. There's just no underestimating the power of prayer. You know, I love to tell stories in the book about how God answered prayer. Um, I tell a story about how he provided a dress, the perfect dress for my daughter's wedding. It's one of my favorite stories. In fact, I told it at a women's event and every one of the, the women that went through the line afterwards said, I love the blue dress story. I love the blue dress story. I think women relate. Women relate when God just, you know, yes. takes care of that dress. You know, we love that. And I, I just feel like I 
Prayer is so critical. I know that um, I have another story about how I provided pianos everywhere that our daughter, um, our oldest daughter, uh, we lived in places where even the local church didn't have a piano. She has such a great piano story. It was her prayer and she prayed. And anyway, it's a it's a really sweet story. God used the piano all through her life, but he also used it to increase her faith because she realized, wait a minute, she prayed as a six-year-old starting out and then all along that God would provide a piano, that he would provide a piano teacher, oh, that wow. he would provide a piano scholarship for the first homeschooler ever that we knew to go to college. I mean, it goes on and on. Oh my gosh. And she just kept praying she for kept that. praying for that. And of course we would pray with her, but it became her prayer and her faith that was strengthened because she watched a big God care about something like a piano. And it, I mean, it's just incredible that you can't even hear that story and believe that God wasn't involved. You have to believe he was involved. And it's just the sweetest story. But then it gave her the faith to trust God for the big things. And so she, she's done a lot of things. She has a had a ministry with another friend of hers that she called Keeper of My Heart, how you can trust the Lord with your love life. You know, now that takes a big God. It's one thing for a piano, but can you really trust God with your love life? And she and her friend were creative. You know, Chrissy played the piano, her friend sang, and they had a lot of teaching. Both of them are, are teachers, and they told stories, and they had skits. And And so many young women have come to me over the years, and they they said, Mrs. Tebow, we, we trusted God for our love life to wait for the one God had for us or whatever he had for us because of that seminar we went to. But you can see the connection, though, because Christy saw God that cared about those small things, that he would care about the most important thing in her life. Oh, wow. And he provided a wonderful young man for her. But, you know, for a lot of women, it may not be that story. You know, you may have a different story. You may have a, a different ministry, a different impact. But you can still trust God because he knows your need. He created you the way you are, and he can meet that need. So prayer is, is powerful. I remember hearing Timmy, our youngest son, talk to a group of junior hires, and I taught them this, but you never know what they catch. And he said, prayer, well, it's just a running conversation with God. Right, you right. Pray when you're throwing the football, when you're in the huddle, when you're on the bench. And, you know, he was speaking to the younger kids, and they got it. And I think as women, we have to learn to pray on the go. We don't have to kneel down by our bed, although that's nice, but most of us don't have that option. We just are busy women yeah. and we can pray on the go. And I love that privilege that we have. So prayer is critical. It just draws us to our heavenly father. You know, it draws us to his heart. We feel like we have a connection. We have a bond, you know, and I think I, I'm so desperate for him and desperation is always, I think the key to my growth and to my dependence on the Lord. And when we're desperate, we need we really need the Lord. And so I think prayer is that, you know, that for me, that I'm desperate for him to take control of my day and run it because boy, do we have the tendency to run it ourselves. I mean, I wake up in the morning with my list in my head and on paper and I want to get going and, you know, I want to just take charge, but then right. I'm reminded, Oh, wait a minute. Apart from him, I can't do anything. So it's just, I think prayer is just our go-to. We need that. We need to remember, wait a minute, everything is better when we're giving our day to the Lord and our life to the Lord, our decisions, all of those things. And it's hard for us to do because we have so many things to do, but it really works better. Tell me how you discipled your kids 
and helped lead your kids when their prayers didn't get answered? Oh, wow. You ask great questions. Well, (laughs) I'm just thinking about my friends who are raising kids and I'm like, well, after she said that, I would want to know what happens when God doesn't do the thing they ask. And that's so true, you know, because we, we have, everybody prays for things that they don't happen, but we say, God, according to your will, we say that, but do we really mean it? No, most of the time we don't. And it's not like a name it and claim it where I can name what I want and God is sure to provide it. Part of the, the wonder of it all is that God knows us. He created us. He knows what we really need. And we can trust and we can tell him our desires. But then, you know, he's like a wise parent because we don't always give our kids what they ask for. You know, we want to, but, you know, maybe we can't afford it or it's not the right thing for them. You know, we don't want them to be exposed to things they shouldn't. We didn't take them to movies they shouldn't see, et cetera, because we're wiser than they are. We have a bigger picture than they do. And that's true of God. He has a big picture. He, he knows what his plan is for us. And so he may say no. And that's a legitimate answer to our prayers. And we had to teach that to our kids. You know, you may not be, I know it was hard for our, obviously our kids were athletic and um, our oldest son was very athletic. He was an all American in baseball and, and had a football scholarship. And he thought, oh, I want to keep playing on. But then he realized, wait a minute, this is not God's plan. We prayed for him. We encouraged him. But then we, you know, you face a reality. And he was okay with that because he he realized, wait a minute, you know, it took time, but he was okay. He knew in his heart that God loved him and had a better plan for him. So anyway, and he just produced that movie, Run the Race, which is was really great movie, faith-based movie. And it was, you know, in the, in the weeks that it was out, it, it uh, just came out of the theaters and I guess they're putting it on DVD now it comes out at the end of the month, but, but it was one of the top 40 Christian movies ever. And we're so proud of him because we thought that's so out of the box. Okay. Let's make a movie and it's going to have football in it and it's going to be faith-based, but not hokey. You know, we're going to, we want a lot of people to see it and catch the message, whether or not they're Christians. And so, you know, that same kid, God had a different plan for him. He's done so many incredible things and that are outside the box. And so we're grateful. Hey friends, just interrupting Pam for just a second to tell you about our friends over at Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a healthcare sharing organization that I'm a part of. Healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries means that not only have I found a way to prepare in case I should have medical costs, But also each month, I'm actively helping another person pay for their unexpected medical costs. In the same way, if I were to get sick or injured, instead of using health insurance to take care of my medical costs, other Samaritan ministry members would send me what I need to pay those medical bills. We have seen this in action, actually, in the last few months with my migraine headaches and the doctor's appointments, and I've been really, really grateful. Inspired by the description of the early church in Acts 2, healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries is a gospel-centric solution to healthcare costs that prioritizes Christians directly helping one another as each has need. The portions sent directly from member to member range in monthly costs from $100 for one person to $495 for a family of three or more. That's $495 is your cap, no matter how big your family is. You can find out what your monthly portion would be by visiting the cost calculator on their website. Just go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. 
And now back to the show with Pam. Tell me about the parents that are listening out there whose kids have walked away from the Lord or who don't have a relationship with God. How how do you see ripple effects happening like that? And, and what should they be praying? And how can you encourage those parents? Because there's got to be some of those out there who are going like, yeah, we thought we did everything, but our kid doesn't want to be a part of a faith community. And you know, that happens. It happens in every family, Christian or not. And we pray, you know, as a parent, you keep praying and you encourage them. And I think a big factor is you love them unconditionally, just like God loves us. And I think that love, I really believe that that's why we keep coming back to God. We know he loves us. We know that just because we blew it and because we've stayed away, because we haven't prayed, because we've gone our own way, because we've made bad decisions, we know in our heart that God still loves us. And I think that's important to remember. And that's the way we need to love our kids. You know, I, I grew up, my dad was an army colonel, and I thought that my heavenly father was like an earthly father. My father, you know, it's a long time ago, and he was very um, engaged in a lot of just difficult uh, wars and things that were going on that I had no idea about. And so his life was was taken with that. He was gone so much of the time. And so when when he was around, he seemed to love me more if I performed and I did the right thing and I you know, made the honor roll and um, I impressed him. And then the opposite was true. And so I thought for so many years that God was like that. And I think that's sometimes what our children think when they wonder from the Lord, the enemy will whisper in their ears, you've blown it this time and it's too much. This is the sin that just breaks your relationship with God. That's the enemy. So I think they understand more about God's love when they see our love, that when they understand that, you know, one time one of our kids apologized to us and he even, this child reached a message on this. So we heard it. I heard it. And he said, you know, my mom said, son, nothing will ever happen that will cause me to stop loving you. And my husband said, son, I love you so much that I would give my life for you. And, you know, that was what he remembered. And so if there was ever a time when he was tempted to stray, he would remember, wait a minute. But I had to learn about that love first. So for all you moms out there, we need to grasp it. It took me years, long after I started having kids, that to understand God's unconditional love. Mm. And we have to love our kids like that, whether they disappoint us, whether they blow it, they break the rules, they stray, whatever they're doing, they have to know that we still love them. We may not accept what they're doing and that's okay. They need to know that too, but they have to know that our love trumps all of that. We still love them because that way they'll be drawn back to us and back to the Lord. I just really believe that. I've seen it in in action, both in our family and in the families of my friends. And I prayed. I think this is where prayer is such a resource. I have prayed with my sisters in Christ and begged God to bring back those straying kids. I mean, I think we can unify with people. There's a verse in Nehemiah that says, remember the Lord who is great and mighty and fight for your mothers and sons, your daughters, mm-hmm. your, you know, fight, 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 fight for the people you love and never give up. And I really believe that we have that. Know, that can be our purpose too as a mother is to continue fighting for them, no matter how old they are. 
How much is scripture memory a part of your discipline spiritually? Because it's, I mean, you just, it feels like they live in you. Well, it was huge. I'll tell you what, there weren't as many books when I was beginning my motherhood journey and that I could go to. And I did have a lot of resources, uh, didn't know a lot of scripture, but I realized early on that scripture is so powerful. And I thought uh, that if I taught that to my kids, long after I wouldn't be their teacher anymore, the Holy Spirit could bring the word of God to their minds because it's in their minds. And so early on, we believed in reading the, the Bible to our kids. My husband would read Psalms and Proverbs in the mornings. And so you wonder if kids are taking that in. Well, kids take it in more than we even know. And then we, you know, we wanted them to memorize scripture. And so one of the the fun things we did when my oldest daughter was five, my husband had a Bible study with a group of men. And he said, he said, why don't we all uh, teach our kids a verse, a Bible verse, uh, and put it to a tune. And so we found out later that every one of the wives, the husbands gave the wives that responsibility, of course. So that was my responsibility. And so I realized I did that. Think about this. What's learned in song is remembered long. Not sure who said that, but it makes sense. And so I, I memorized that verse and I taught it to my family and we remembered it and we still do. And so I thought, wow, I'm on to something because it sticks in your head. Think of all those little commercial jingles you remember. Or the, yes. You know, the silly So many songs, songs we, I can remember from my childhood. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I know all the songs from the 60s. I just don't tell people I know them. But when the music plays, you think, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I know every word. And so that's true of scripture, too. So I think I was so desperate, again, to teach truth to my kids, to teach it to me. So I was learning along with them that I just kept doing that over and over. You know, you found some issue that we're dealing with at the time, like fear. And uh, so I made up a scripture to um, a, a verse about fear because the first night that we were in the Philippines, my husband left us in a missionary compound where he thought it was safe. And then he went to another island to um, secure a home for us. And a robber broke in our room and I had four kids and and we were all sleeping in the same room. And we watched the, I watched the robber walk around, take my purse, throw out a few pesos and leave. But there was fear. There was fear. I mean, we lived in a time in the Philippines when there were armed guards everywhere and there were all kinds of battles. And, you know, we had to evacuate when there were planes shooting bullets overhead, et cetera. So there was reason fear. And I thought, you know, we want to have, I want to be courageous and I want my kids to be courageous because you need courage for anything in life. You know, as as women, we need to be courageous. This is a hard world. Do we have the courage to to go through everything we're, we're challenged with. And so I made up a tomb. This was when my Bible still has some these and nows. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in me. And God is word I praise in. God, I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can your men do to me? When I am afraid, I will put my trust in me. And hey, it rhymes. So I kept the these and nows in it. So I, I taught it to all my kids and we would sing it. And I would put them to bed every night and sing that song to them at the end because I wanted them to be courageous. And I feel like they really are. But the best part of that story is that a couple of years ago, uh, my two daughters had their five little kids together for a birthday party. And I went and it was a busy day of cake and ice cream and kids and presents and games. And so I, the girl said, mom, you put these wild little kids to bed. So I told them a story and they said, grandma, sing us a song. So I started out, when I am afraid, all five of them sang along with me. 
And that's the point of ripple effect. That's the ripple effect because I taught it to their parents and I didn't know their parents taught it to them. Everyone knew every word. Oh my God. I just thought that was just, I went to my room and cried yeah. because that was, I was, did you? I did, I did. Happy tears, happy tears. And so what's for you, when you think about your own spiritual growth, like when you pull away from leading other people, I, I'm just a huge believer that what you do in private is what's reflected in public. Oh, that's so and good. And even public just being in your house. That's right. What did your private time look like when you were, you know, had a lot of little kids and a lot of people you were taking care of? How did you still find time to be in the word? What did it look like then versus now when you maybe have a little more time? What a challenge that was. So I can identify with everyone out there who is busy and struggles to fit in that quiet time, to fit in the time with the Lord. I write about in the book how we have to still make the Lord first, but sometimes it's just beginning my day saying, Lord, I give myself to you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is my reasonable service. Lord, run my life. You know, I give it to you. I don't want to run my own life. And quote a verse back to him, but it's nothing super spiritual. It's just, it's just a desperate woman knowing that she can't run her own life because I've tried to do that too many times and it doesn't work. <laughs> and so that's the critical thing for me to start out the day like that to, you know, and, and, and sometimes I can sit down and, you know, sometimes during the, that time I had kids, I had time, I got up earlier, but so many cases, I just had to pray on the go and try to have that time with the Lord when I could. But that morning time with us, when we could read the Psalms and Proverbs to our kids, not only impacted them, it impacted me. So making that a priority early on was great. Later on, you know, life got more busy and crazy and we couldn't always do that. But I would try to get in, you know, even if I just pulled out my verse cards with some of my special verses and try to focus on a verse or two whether I could be in a Bible study or not. But I loved being in a Bible study or doing, you know, even if I couldn't attend a Bible study to do one on my own, to to grab a good Bible study at a, you know, bookstore, one I knew that was worthwhile and and try to to be learning and always growing. Right. I feel like we can't ever be stagnant. You know, we have to keep learning, keep growing in our faith, yeah. being encouraged because we just need that. You know, we need to be constantly inspired. And um, even if it's short, you know, I had to release some of my expectations because you, you don't have time for, oh, let's take an hour this morning. I mean, really, that's not very logical. And I just, you know, one time I heard someone say, well, you have to get up at four in the morning. And, it, you know, I tried that for about two days and it didn't work. And so I don't think we can always set those kinds of expectations for ourselves. I think we have to figure out what works, but still make the Lord and his word a priority. Still make it part of our, our life because we need it. Yes, that's. I feel a little spoiled in my singleness that I have time in the mornings that is massively uninterrupted. <laughs> it's a privilege, it is. But then you have a lot of responsibility and what you do yes. requires, I mean, you're having ripple effects because you have so many guests on and, you're impacting the women who who come to you for counsel and advice and they need encouragement. So they're going about their day, but you're having the ripple effect on their life because you've had time in the word. You, you have wisdom. You can impart it to them. You know, you can ask your guests great questions. You're asking me great questions. So I think you're doing what you need to be doing at this season in your life because God is, he's putting you in a position of great influence 
So it's important that you take it seriously, and you are. So you're taking advantage of your time. But there's a lot of women out there who don't have that option, and they're just hanging in there. But it's okay. God knows that you're hanging in there, yeah. that you're trying, that you're, you know, that you're still clinging to Him. You just don't maybe have an hour in the morning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I would love for you for a second to talk to the men and women listening who aren't parents. I guess, how do we appreciate the ripple effects we're able to make right now, even while we're waiting to have a life? You know, there's so many of our friends listening who want to be married and have kids. Maybe that's a hope for their life or they want to be in a different city than they're in. How do you find contentment and find purpose in making the ripple effects right where you are? You know, I remember waiting on the Lord to provide a home for us in the Philippines and my husband couldn't get back to us. He, he went to preach on another island and had to take a slow boat home. And it was because Christmas, every kind of possible plane, boat, everything is already taken. And he didn't realize that. So we were waiting. We were waiting. We waited. And we had these crazy pus sores because we, we weren't used to the environment, the food, the bugs, everything. And so I remember thinking, how am I going to help my kids be content? So we I made up a couple of scripture tunes. Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. And then I added another verse to it. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait. And in his word, do I hope. And so we would sing that over and over in rounds that we're waiting for the Lord. And I feel like waiting on the Lord causes us to draw close to him. And so I notice the difference in my kids' attitudes as they wait, but that's true of us as we wait on the Lord, as we wait for a husband or a baby or a job, you know, or to get over an illness or a new home, all those things, we have to wait on the Lord. There's great verses in the scripture on waiting that while we're waiting, and I love this, that while we're waiting, God is acting on our behalf. I love that verse because we're waiting, but God's not idle. You know, we think maybe he is because we don't see anything happening. Nothing seems to be changing, but God is acting on our behalf. He knows our situation. For from of all they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. And boy, you know, I memorize the words but I don't always memorize the reference. And I think sometimes, well, it's, you know, it's not really inspired. So and that's okay. That I, really should. I think it's in Isaiah, maybe it's in an Old Testament book. We'll Google it. I mean, how did people study the Bible before Google? I have no idea. It helps. I, so you much. know, you know, I look up things now all the time because I don't, because again, I, I put a lot of verses, you know, I have that one to attune to. Of course, that's how I memorize now, even when my kids aren't around. Yeah. But I don't always stick the verse on it. So I'm thinking, where in the world is that verse? So, but I love it. It starts out from, for from of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. Don't you love that? That's so encouraging because God is acting. Yeah. He's acting on our behalf, not just I acting, but for that. us. I do too. And that's so encouraging. So, you know, you know, God has it. And it's so hard sometimes to believe that because we're listening to all the voices around us. But we need to, you know, we need to listen to, to, to try to hear his voice. And I think that's through his word. 
So that is my go-to. It still is. I love that, man. I mean, and there's such a, I think what I hope some of our friends who are parents are hearing is there is a way to bring scripture memory into like just the rhythms of your everyday raising a family and living your life? Oh, absolutely. You see, you see kids arguing with one another or, um, you know, bragging, um, or any of the things that they do, there's a verse for that. So I would kind of, I would have to search scripture. It's that verse um, for, for bragging, <laughs> let another praise you and not your own mouth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Let another praise you and not your mouth. Stranger, not your own lips. See, your voice doesn't have to be good and mine's not. <laughs> no, it's great. Oh, no, it's not. And your, and your songs don't have to be great. But you know what? Every one of our kids knows that. One time a, there was a reporter interviewing Timmy and he said, why don't you talk about yourself? And I read this in the newspaper because, you know, girls give information, but boys do not. So you don't know the details in life. So I read this in the newspaper. He said, well, when I was young, my mom taught me a verse. And it's true. They, when they bragged or said anything cocky, they'd have to, they'd have to repeat that verse. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. But you know, it sticks in their head. And so, and it sticks in my head too. So it's so hard for me, especially promoting the book yeah, to talk about myself and has let somebody else talk about you and don't do it yourself. You know, that's such a great verse, but there's so much practical life in scripture. Oh, and gosh, I think again, yeah. I was so desperate and there weren't a lot of great verses, you know, I mean, great books on you know, how do you do this and how do you do that? So I think it caused me to turn to the word, but that's true whether you're married, whether you're not, whether you have kids, whether you're not, there's a verse for everything you have to encounter in life. And it's not magical, but it's supernatural. You know, it just gives you the peace that it doesn't all depend on you, that God's got it. And his word does that. It's just powerful. It's transforming. So I still do that. I'm still, I was working on a verse this morning because I'm so desperate for it. You know, I don't think we ever get to the point where we've got it together. We don't need the Lord. We don't need his word and we need fellowship and we need friends that are going to encourage us too. We need that. I'm laughing a little bit because now this is not a scripture and I'm not a mom, but I was playing with some of my friend's kids a few weeks ago and I started singing when your friends say stop, you always stop. And and so we always sing that now. Oh, that's cute. Right? And we always sing it. And then all of a sudden, the other day, I heard these other kids in the neighborhood singing it to each other. And I was like, oh my gosh, this silly little Ripple song. Effects. Ripple effects. Yeah, it just, it, this silly little song. And what they don't know as five-year-olds is, you know, when you're an 18-year-old, when your friends say stop, you should stop. You know, like there should always be there should always be that kind of boundary now. And I didn't mean, I mean, I wasn't trying to teach them something profound. I was just telling them to quit tickling each other. <laughs> but, but you see how a song works. Yes. It is crazy how that, how that travels. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Isn't that funny? I know I got so tickled when I heard it across the street at another house. I was like, oh my gosh, they're singing my stop song. <laughs> <laughs> Ripple effects. You have it. I you have it. it. Yeah. So one thing I'd love for you to speak to for just a minute, because there's got to be women and men that are listening that that don't look forward to Mother's Day. And this weekend isn't any fun for them. And it feels more like loss or disappointment or tragedy. Can you just speak to them for a minute about, about what this weekend could be and, and, and what it feels like to grieve even when everyone else is celebrating, maybe? You know, 
I understand grief too, because we all have it. We've all been through situations that we may not want to talk about, but our hearts are broken. You know, there's so many verses in scripture and that's always my go-to. God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I think that's, again, God is our go-to when our hearts are broken. He's greater than our hearts and he knows all things. And so he knows, he knows our heart's ache. And I feel like we still need to turn to him in those moments because it is in that time that we need the Lord because we can't heal our own hearts. And, you know, where do we go for healing? Um, if we can't put a Band-Aid on it, mm. you know, we, we need to go to the Lord because he knows he hurts for us, his heart. He knows our heart. He's bigger than our heart and he knows all things. And, you know, that's my only solution. I know there are more, you know, there are friends that we can tell our friends, friends, certain ones that will keep our confidence. Uh, someone shared um, a deep hurt just today. And she felt comfortable sharing with me because she knew I cared about her. And so I, I'll keep it in confidence and I will pray for her. But her heart aches, you know, and she's not a mother and she's not a wife. And she now has another issue. And I just, I think we need to have people that we, maybe just a couple that we can trust that will pray with us and for us and put their arms around us. You know, God, God does it in a supernatural way, but it helps to have those physical arms around us too. You know, if we're in a church that cares about us and, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and someone that we can say, you know, my heart's aching today and just hug on those people. And for those of us whose heart might be okay at the moment, ours is going to hurt again another day because God, you know, just, this is a hard world, yeah. but God draws us close during those times. So we also need to be his his physical manifestation of that, where we can put our arms around those people that are hurting and, and, and be sensitive. You know, I really pray for discernment um, for people that are maybe not in my situation that I can empathize with them and love them and have a heart for them and say the right thing, know the words to say, you know, that God would give me the grace. My speech always be with grace seasoned as it were with salt. So I'll know how to respond to each person. I want to know how to respond to that person that's hurting because it's all around us. It's just all around us. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was a lady today too. And I was, I was on a show for this book promotion and, and she was just, she felt comfortable telling me that her child was born stillborn. You know, this went through the whole pregnancy and, and I just hugged her and I just, you know, I wanted to cry, but I would have ruined my makeup. I had to be on another minute. But I hugged her. And in that moment, there was such a sweet bond. But we have to have that kind of heart for other people, I think, so that we can be the ones that hug them. And then when they're hurting, you know, hopefully there's someone else to come around and encourage them and love on them and empathize with them. We need to be those sisters in Christ. We really do. We need to be that person that cares about the person next to next to us. You know, one of the things a family here in Nashville has done for me the last few years as a non-mom but has a lot of kids in my life is the last couple of years, they just gave me like three flowers, like a little bouquet of flowers and just said like, hey, we recognize that that today, we don't know how today feels for you, but you're an important mom voice in our family. And it's so sweet just to have people who kind of step into it with you. I love that. I know. Isn't that sweet? It was, it's so special to me. It means so much. That's so sweet. Wow. What a great idea for all your listeners because we can all do something like that. 
we need to think about the people that might be hurting on on Mother's Day or the Father's Day or Christmas or you know any of those other times. Holidays are the hardest time when you have a heartache. Sure, sure. And it just is. It's just so sweet to for people to say like, "Hey, you're doing the work of this, even if it didn't look the way you thought it was going to look." I think women always want to mother someone. It's just in our DNA. Yeah. Whether we're actual mothers or not, we want to mother somebody. We want to take care of people. You know, that's just how God made us. Mm-hmm. We want to put our arms around them and love on them and, you know, encourage them. And I think that's that's a great message, though. You need to keep sharing that message because I, I think we do need to look around us and see those those women that need to realize that, hey, wait a minute, just because you don't have children, you're investing in mine, you know, or someone else's and you make a difference. And that's sweet. Yeah. It's so sweet. Yeah. So sweet. Wow. What a wise family. I know. And that's, uh, yeah, it is meant so much to me. So we got to talk a little second about Tim because he's been on the show and he's a friend of the pod. I heard that. I like it. I know he's the best. Okay. So what's it like having a child that's famous? Like that is known. (laughs) You can't prepare for that, right? You can't prepare for that, but we could kind of see some of it coming because it came all along from the time he was young, but it helped that that he had um, four, you know, two brothers, two sisters ahead of him that could help keep him in his place. And so none of us, you know, that's, that's who we memorized that verse for. Well, he and his (laughs) brothers, but you know, we did a lot about pride, about self-centeredness. And I really wanted him to understand that um, what's desirable in a man is his kindness. We, We taught him a lot about kindness and you know, he went to on mission trips with my husband. He he went to an orphanage and he began to get a heart for the least of these. And that kind of, you know, even when he was younger, and I think that kind of offset some of the fame. And my husband really did help him to understand that if God gave him a big platform, that he could use it for the cause of Christ, that he could impact people with more than just football or baseball or whatever it was, that he could have this opportunity to have ripple effects. And he didn't call it that, but that's what he was intending to say, that visual that he gave him. And he would be so faithful to, to speak into his life. And I think the fathers have such an important role for boys or some male example. And then, you know, I would do it in my more quiet way, but I think it just helps that we were always behind him, encouraging him, staying uh, very involved, but then letting him handle situations. You know, there's that delicate balance, but it was important that we do, that we were we were there for him, that we went to all of his, you know, activities and were there to support him and to try to help him to balance it out. Do you know what I mean? So we didn't let him get away with things. He had to have chores like everybody else, you know, and that's one reason uh, my husband loved having property. He could have them mend fences or think of things for them to do to keep him real and, you know, to keep them humble and to not let them get to um, get proud or think more of themselves than they ought. So I think there's that balance that, that, you know, you can have as a parent or a friend or, anybody you mentor that you can keep that perspective because, you know, the world's fame is so fleeting. And so if you do have it, you need to use it for good. And, you know, because you could lose it in a moment, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what it's fickle. The world is fickle moment. You're the hero. The next minute you're not right. And you can't, you know, live for that. 
you have to be consistent in your life. And so we're really proud of Timmy that he's able to, to take his platform and use it for good. You know, I, I met a person today that says, you know, he, he was just a, a helper in a situation. And he said, you know, I'm part of the Tim Tebow Foundation, you know, which he was so excited about because he got the, you know, he got to be involved in, you know, maybe the wickeds or maybe he gives $10, but that's okay. He gets yeah. all the emails. He gets the, you know, he gets to be on the website. He gets to feel like he's a part of something important that's impacting lives. And we all need that. It was just so sweet. He could hardly wait to tell me that. But, you know, I think that that does, going back to your question, we we keep them real. We don't want to get caught up in that. I've seen so many parents get caught up in their children's fame and they almost feel like it's making them famous and they're they're living and dying on that, on the right. wins and losses or whatever it is, or the beauty contest or whatever it is their kids involved in. They think it, it begins to be about them, but it's, we still have to be the parent and be bigger than that, you know, to help our children keep it in perspective all along until one day we can't do that anymore. You know, we have to entrust them with that, Right. but we have, we need to do our job when we can. And I, I feel like, oh, that's such an important role. Um, because pride and cockiness and arrogance, it just undoes all the good that they have the potential to do, I feel like. Wow. Man, I feel like I've learned a lot from you today, Pam. Oh, goodness. I don't know. Well, I'm still learning, though. We're always learning, aren't we? Yeah, it's great. Thank you again for being on the show. I just think this is exactly what we need going into Mother's Day weekend. So I'm so grateful. Our very last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you do for fun. Oh, my goodness. I think I spend time with my family because they're so much fun. Yeah. You know, they're a lot more fun than I am. They tell jokes. They have so much fun with each other. And they're all different. You know, as in most families, everybody has different giftings and different opportunities, but they still have a tight bond and they just laugh and have fun and wrestle and compete. And of course they compete. We have a very competitive family. And I think my favorite moments are our, our vacations and our, our time together. And we still want to spend time together. And that's such a, a great uh, feeling for a mom that after all this, you know, everyone's different. They're all in different seasons of life with different opportunities and they all live in different places, but they still want to come together because we have fun. And I'm so grateful. I'm not yeah. a fun, fun person, but I think I become more fun when I have my family around and I, you know, I enjoy them so much. And we do funny things like you know, have, have family, uh, competition, you know, we had family Olympics. Do you really? Uh, we did. We did. Well, I broke my foot first day. So that's another <gasps> oh story gosh. I tell in the book because it's hysterical. I mean, it, it wasn't funny at the time, but you know, it just knows how, what, a, what a great athlete I am, but <laughs> it, you know, we, we're a competitive family. And so we have a lot of fun with games and with, uh, and oh my goodness, although sometimes it's a not drag out, you know, so you have to be careful. Right. Everybody's always competing, but we do have a lot of fun. And I love that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again, Pam. We're so grateful. You're welcome. Thank you. You guys, how much do we love Pam Tebow? Oh my gosh, just wisdom upon wisdom upon wisdom. I feel like I gained so much in that conversation. I just was listening. I felt like I was just gleaning wisdom from her as a woman, as a mom, 
as someone who has influence over the lives of others, which all of us do, no matter how many people are listening to you, whether it's in your home, outside of your home, through a podcast or in a conversation across a coffee shop, you are influencing other people, male, female, married, unmarried. I I will shout this from the rooftops. Your voice matters in the lives of other people. And so making ripple effects is what you are already doing. So make sure you grab a copy of Pam's new book, Ripple Effects. Again, if you're thinking Mother's Day, you know we've had a couple of really good author musicians on in the last couple of weeks because I'm trying to give you the resources you need for a good Mother's Day gift. So make sure you grab a copy of Ripple Effects for the mom in your life, whether she's a new mom, a soon-to-be mom, she's got kids running around, or maybe even a grandmother. I love the story Pam told about her own mom starting to really be intentional about her ripple effects as a 70-year-old. I think that's cool. And I know some of y'all are out there. You tell me. Some of you grandmas are out there listening. And so make sure you grab a copy. Hey, if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in family today because we are celebrating Mother's Day. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. Today for fun. Oh, you guys, today for fun, I'm going to eat dinner. It's Wind Down Winston Wednesday with Rachel and Winston Cruz. If you haven't heard their episode, back up to February of 2018. And you know, once a month I eat dinner with them. So that sounds fun to me today to go down and have burgers with Winston and Rachel. You go out and do something that sounds fun to you. Happy Mother's Day to all you people that are momming out there. I am so grateful. And happy Mother's Day to my own mom, my own Pam. Pam, I love you. Grateful that you are my mom. And we will see you back here on Monday with a special episode for you graduates.